For 50,000 years, shaman have walked the earth. They have existed on every continent within every race. Holy men, medicine men, wise men, sorcerer, brujo, witch, druid, and healer. By many names they are known. Expanding their own ring of awareness, shamans have developed a deep connection to the earth and the world of spirit. Through this connection, shamans know with absolution that all things are alive and must be treated with great reverence. It is because of this reverence that the shaman is able to connect directly with nature and the world of spirit to learn great mysteries and tap into unimaginable power. Much knowledge has been lost, but much survives hidden within the fabric of time. It is through this show that I will share this cultural mix of shamanic knowledge with the hopes that it might illuminate your path on your own personal journey of discovery. This is Shaman's Brew. Hello and welcome to the Shaman's Brew. Tonight I have an absolutely incredible interview for you with one of the greatest mentalists the world has ever known, the amazing Kreskin. Kreskin, in the late 1960s when, when I was uh, in school, he inspired me and he, he is solely responsible for my interest in parapsychology and the paranormal. Kreskin's career has spanned more than 50 years, and it's still going strong. He is still in big demand, uh, recently appearing on uh, Jimmy Fallon, and uh, constantly on uh, talk shows, uh, radio, television, year-round. The man is so busy, he's only home, uh, you know, three, four days a month. He has appeared in the past on virtually every major radio uh, or radio and television uh, talk show that has ever aired on the Tonight Show for Johnny Carson, I forget the actual number of times, but it, it's a it's a huge number of times he's appeared on that show because he was so popular and so amazing. You'll hear more about him in in just a moment, but uh, I just wanted to dedicate this show to Kreskin and thank thank him personally for all that he has done to inspire so many people, including myself. The interview you're about to hear was actually conducted by two of my good friends, Scott L. and Doug of Ghostly Talk, and is one of the best interviews I have ever heard. Doug and Scott L. had a paranormal talk show called Ghostly Talk. It was one of the most entertaining shows I have ever heard. I look forward to every Sunday night I would listen to their show, and, and I was a guest on their show many times. They're absolutely amazing, and I, I really miss them. I, I hope someday they, they come back in, in some capacity. This uh, interview with Kreskin was an interview that I orchestrated. Kreskin is a friend of mine now. And I called him and asked him if he'd do the show. And he was, you know, even though he's really busy with major networks and all that, he agreed to do the show. That's the type of man that he is. He came on the show and he blew everybody away, as you are about to see. You may hear Doug and Scott talking about a guest coming up in the future. 
and that guest did you know happen and uh, that was also a friend of mine that I I'd set up for them I orchestrated that whole interview which was a story within itself but that was my my friend Yuri Geller that show I did a show on that and that's actually in the archives of uh, Jackalope Radio if you if you go back and look uh, but I may I may go ahead and do a replay on that because that too was an incredible interview so Without further ado, I'd like to present The Amazing Kreskin, interviewed by Doug and Scott L. of Ghostly Talk. We, we are indeed Ghostly Talk, yeah. and we're broadcast live out of the uh, Haunted Warren Winery mm-hmm. in beautiful, beautiful, frigid, cold Warren, Michigan. It's a winter wonderland here right now. It certainly is. With guns. Icy, snowy, gunny, it's everything. Yes, yeah. yes we have it all. And, uh, of course, I, I wanted to say something about upcoming shows. Okay. Okay. First of all, I'm extremely excited about an upcoming guest. Who's that? I don't know if it's this week or next, hmm. but we are going to have the amazing Kreskin on. Is well, it just shows you how closely you watch the schedule here, Doug. I that, have a big surprise for you tonight. Is that confirmed or it's not? Con- it's happening tonight. Tonight? Yeah, he's going to be on tonight. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I, am, I am uber-geeked. Absolutely uber geeked mm-hmm. about about talking to the amazing Kreskin because did did you know who he was before you? Yeah, yeah. Did, uh, uh, Will? I think probably before my time. I he was before it, all of our been, times, you know. No, well, it not was during years. my time. It was during your time. Yeah. Um, but he's been around for a number of years. He's been around for the better part of fifty years doing the thing, working in a lot. Right. Well, that's a bit before my time. Yeah. But when when he had his his show on uh, mm-hmm. was it on PBS or something? I don't know, but. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was it was during my time, and mm-hmm. and he he was on Johnny Carson all the time, or not all the time, but a lot, and mm-hmm. and uh, and then of course later David Letterman, mm-hmm. uh, the amazing Kreskin is indeed uh, amazing, and and I'm extremely excited about that. Mm-hmm. We are not going to have a um, Christmas Day show, right? We're not. We're not going to be. Well, yeah. I mean, Sunday fell on Christmas this year, and we. We had to sit down with corporate about that. You know how corporate people, all the white collars, they don't want to work on Christmas. <laughs> so they're like, listen, guys, let's just call let's just call it a wash on Christmas Day. We are going to be back, though, on New Year's Day. And New Year's Day is another one. It's being worked out right now as we speak. If this guest confirms, yeah. okay, if this happens, yeah. you're going to have one truly happy Doug co-host on your hands. <laughs> as opposed to the other... 5,000 shows we've done. The mean, vicious, vile Where Doug was just absolutely horrendous to work with. (laughs) Right. It was horrible, man. Because, you know, when you don't peel my grapes, I just don't know what to do. (laughs) But, but I'm telling you, the, the, um, the, uh, the guests that you have worked up. Yeah, well. For New Year's Day. If, if it happens. mm -hmm. Um, I, I can't even I, I you know because we can't no. announce it yet because it's January no, I, we don't I, announce no until. we can't we keep we keep that under wraps but the the guests that you have lined up because I see I saw the advanced schedule mm-hmm. I did indeed pay attention to that email for some reason and it must have been fake because read now I am <laughs> read now so this read or this out. will blow your computer up and <laughs> you will things. not be allowed in the winery forever <laughs> if you don't read this email and um, and I was like this guest absolutely blows my mind. I am absolutely, completely blown away. I am super happy, Mm -hmm. super excited. I can't say enough about 
New Year's Day. Well, if in, it in regards to New Year's Day. I, and I know it's unconfirmed. Well, yeah, as far as uh, the amazing Kreskin and people like that, it has nothing to do with me, honestly. I'll, I'll be – I'm – I've always been open about that in the past, and I'll be open about that now. That, uh, we're going to start calling it the ML Booking Agency, Marcus, oh. the, Marcus, <laughs> the Marcus Leader Booking Agency, because Marcus is, you know, we talked to him. He was on the show last week hanging out. Right, yep, yep Talking yep. about the new scrying tool he sent over to you that you didn't bring this week again. Ooh, I didn't even bring the bumpy cake, so <laughs> what do you want? No, no, um, I have been anxiously awaiting. He's been biting his nails since he started this show. <laughs> I have. I've been anxiously awaiting, so I'm just going to read this thing as fast as possible. Okay. To get... Which you're holding your little bloody stump fingers right, right. now. You fit them down to the bone. <laughs> well, you pass this over to me because I, you know, I, I want to get through this part quickly. Mm-hmm. With a showman's flair, a comedian's wit, and capacities of a bona fide mentalist, the amazing Kreskin has, for over five decades, dramatized the unique facets of the human mind. During his teens, he was nationally recognized as the world's youngest hypnotist, allowing him to collaborate in psychological, uh, clinical studies existing in the realm of parapsychology and the power of suggestion. With a hectic schedule of, of over 300 appearances a year worldwide, Kreskin is constantly challenging the impossible with amazing results. Kreskin is currently writing his, well, that's probably not current, but <laughs> when this was written, Kreskin was mm-hmm. currently writing his 13th book, mm-hmm. um, his long-awaited and anticipated memoirs. Kreskin is also a voracious reader, capable of consuming an average novel in less than 15 minutes with remarkable retention. In fact, in certain casinos, he is banned from the card tables, not, they say, because of his mind-reading skills, but because of Kreskin's ability to memorize four decks of cards at once. And yes, that would get you banned banned very quick. (laughs) I would like to welcome... An excited Doug, co-host of Ghostly Talk, He's is jumping in the seat right very now. excited to welcome <laughs> Kreskin to Ghostly Talk. Welcome. Oh, Scott and Doug, it's, listen, i got to tell you, I'm, I'm sitting here in my, in my office right now. I'm only home about uh, four days a month, and mm. uh, I'm listening to this introduction, and i got to tell you something. If I ever need, if I ever get depressed... Or I could get down the dumps on need a spark. I'm going to have you guys introduce me. <laughs> Listen, it almost sounds like I passed away. I'm attending memorial service. That was dramatic. <laughs> and you guys, you guys are out in, Mich- in Michigan. Yes, yes, sir. We are. Yes. yes. You're in the Detroit area. In the right Detroit out, area. yeah, right. I mean, that's, a, that's ironic because in a few days I'm going to be in. Are you? Have you ever heard of a town in Michigan called Mount Pleasant? Oh, oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I'm going to be there at. A, I guess I'm performing at a, a casino called Soaring the Eagle Soaring Casino. Soaring Eagle Casino. Yeah, and yeah. That's, uh, that's on the 19th. So, you know, it's a, it's a small world. I say, I say this to people as I travel. Guys, if you ever want to hide, don't do it on Earth. Because <laughs> that's the day you're going to be walking down. You know, uh, my perfect example of this is uh, I was on a, a, a few years ago. I was, I was on a show with um, uh, an actor. I, We'll mention it right now, but and he was a guest, and I read his thoughts, and he was very, very, very uh, enthusiastic. And a few days later, I'm performing in in Rome, Italy, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting down at the piazza because at night you, you, people go to bed late. And we were walking around and sat and had a glass of wine. I said, "Gee, that looks like so and so." It can't be. Uh, this is three days later. It couldn't be him. And he nodded. I nodded. He was with this elderly lady. Uh-huh. Finally, comes over and says. 
Uh, Creston, uh, I just took my mother on vacation to Italy. It's nice to see you after three days. You really never know anymore. You gotta be careful. Oh, yeah. But it's, you, listen, this, I, I gotta, now listen, I, I almost want to interview you guys. What a great idea for a show. You, you, uh, you search into ghostly happenings and everything related, the paranormal. Is that what it is? Yes, sir. Yes, we do. Yeah. And how long have you been doing the show? Wow, we're going on. A, we're going to have our fourth anniversary in well, well February. It, 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 technically, is our four. Year technically, we'll be doing it for four years, but we always have our anniversary show in in March. Mm-hmm. So. In March. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, if I'm if I'm around or accessible, even on the cell phone, I'll have to call you on the anniversary show because uh, I always like to celebrate things like that. When I say from around, I, I said I'm only home about four days a month. As, mm-hmm. of, uh, as of about three months ago, the airline industry announced that I've now flown, so far in my career, three million miles. Oh, my God. Yeah, last year was, let's see, I was performing in uh, Spain, Italy, New Zealand, Australia, Japan, mm-hmm. Wales, Netherlands, Canada, and and the United States, even in a foreign country called New Jersey, I say that jokingly because that's where I'm living. <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm always on the road, and and uh, as I say to audiences, it, it's as, as crazy as it is, it is the safest time to fly because there really is strong security, but it is so frustrating. I, I I'm going to predict that when I make predictions around the first of the year that in about a year or so, the airline industry is going to be forced to insist that when you take a flight. You got to be at the airport two and a half days ahead of time. It's getting crazy. <laughs> it's getting to be that way. <laughs> yes. But I now now can I now I've got to ask, I know I know you have questions and I should tell you what the questions are. But right now I got to ask you something. Have either of you had a ghost-like experience? Because I've, I've I've asked this thousands of times for not only celebrities but private individuals around the world. Have either of you had anything like that? Well. Um Actually, I have. I'm Doug, and, and I've had a. I've seen. I saw one ghost once, uh-huh. and even though I'm a ghost hunter, right? And, and I'm out and about. I'm in. I go to cemeteries. I go, well, I don't like those as much, but I go to. I, now, why? What? Well, can I ask you? When you say you don't like them as much, why do you feel that way? My favorite haunts. My favorite places to investigate are public places. Either roads that have a ghostly legend attached to them or train tracks that have a ghostly legend attached to them. Mm -hmm. Places where anybody can be. And it could be your grandmother, it could be, you know, your aunt, your mom, your 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 daughter, it could be anybody. Um, it could be the your your school teacher. I mean it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. driving along the road and has a ghostly experience. And and something about the public haunt really attracts me. That's a, that's intriguing. Now I've always had uh I've been interested in the phenomenal of course it's been I spent my life uh involved in I can say some people that would ring bells to you that uh, I've gone to know through the years. And as far as ever uh, communicating with a ghost, I've never had that or, or seen that. But I have to say, and I, and more and more through the years, there is no question that houses and certain rooms do have a presence, a mood, almost a, uh, something about it. You know, and very often it's something which a very crisis-like occurrence took place or a tragic occurrence but there is there's just no question you can travel the world and you can walk through houses years years ago um, in Nyack New York uh, uh, the uh, this interesting story mm-hmm. there was a house that was up for sale and uh, the family lived just a few buildings away from 
an old-time actress who, who died a few years ago. Her name was Helen Hayes. But this is in Nyack, New York, which is really not far uh, from New York City. Standing in Nyack, uh, you can actually see, uh, I think, I believe it's the George Washington Bridge. I'm not quite sure. But you, you, you can see a lot of New York scene. So anyway, and I've been there a number of times because, uh, and we can talk about it maybe later on, but a, a couple of years ago, the Learning Channel came to me and did a whole week uh, on UFOs. And they had me as a consultant for the first and for the second day, that's a, that's a whole separate story. But anyway, going back to the sense that this was a house that had a uh, an ominousness about it, a kind of a history of hauntings. And uh, I was performing in Atlantic City, and my road manager uh, saw the story and called me on the phone and said, Kreskin, uh, what do you think? I said, well, I close and next week. Let's, uh, let's hurry out there. So I went out there, got a tremendous amount of um, uh, press coverage, but I walked through the house. And I stopped in different sections of the house, and uh, the uh, lady who owned it, who's on years, said that that's, that's where sightings took place. That's where her son and a couple of other people had experiences they, they, that unsettled and so forth. So to me, there was kind of a presence. But there is a there's an interesting story, and, and this maybe reflects human nature as well. Mm-hmm. I was very interested possibly in buying the house uh, I thought, well, maybe if I don't live there, I can, I can turn it into uh, uh, something of a museum with people who actually live there. People put on tours and talk about, it and then have some memorabilia, what mm-hmm. have you. And we decided to have some kind of a seance there. Indeed, believe it or not, Howard Stern decided he was going to attend, which of course would have been a wild seance, even if there were no ghosts that night. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, Howard, that's that's fine. You and Rob can. Well, anyway, and I, I brought the lady on a number of shows, uh, network shows, CBS News, what have you. And then, can you believe it or not, this is, this is a warning, folks, to somehow how our perspe- our values can change. Suddenly, we get a week or ten days before a message that uh, a relative of this lady's family, I'm not going to say it's her son or son-in-law, I'm not going to say anything, decided, well, yeah, you can have the seance, but each of the press have to pay something like $1,500 to attend. Well, guys, I mean, Scott and Doug, you, know, you just don't do things like that. No, you don't. It's, it's no, you don't. Sanity and doesn't even make sense because the press doesn't pay to attend things. And, and if anything, it, it could create greater interest in the whole story. Well, that turned me off, and I, I stepped down, and uh, I said to the lady, I said, you know, uh, many people have only their have only 15 minutes of fame, and then wonder what in the world happened. And everyone backed away, and Howard and I we all decided no sounds. And the press was angry, of course. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of that. And of course, it was forgotten. Mm-hmm. Well, the house was finally sold. But what is fascinating about this is, some months later, a lawsuit took place, and the new family who bought the home, who had, I believe, they had two children sued the uh, lady who had retired now and moved to Florida and demanded their money back because they said she had not told them that the house was haunted and they were having manifestations. And guys, I can only tell you this, Scott and Doug, it is to the best of my knowledge, at least in the last century, the only time where a, tri- a court trial took place in New York and she had to give the, ha- uh, take the, give the money back because... She hadn't told them of the hauntings. So it's fascinating. She finally did sell the house and move on. But isn't it interesting how even ghosts enter the courtroom? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And we've heard that before. We've, we've talked about that numerous times on this show. Several states now, you have to disclose if yeah. you think your house is haunted or not. And, you know, uh, of course, I would love to have my house haunted because I, I, was, I would say, and I say this slightly tongue-in-cheek, I never really heard of a ghost that hurt anybody. People hurt people. Ghosts may be scary or intriguing, but... I don't think they really, uh, I mean, what are they going to do? Right? They, they hit me, it's going to go right through my body out right. to the other side. <laughs> right. And it would be interesting. And I have, of course, I've a, uh, even though I'm known as a mentalist and a thought reader, but my work has taken me everywhere and for Inside Edition and other TV shows we've gone to mm-hmm. uh, haunted areas. And uh, there is a, uh, a, a, uh, a library in uh, Bernardville, New Jersey, that had originally been... A, uh, a bar, a tavern, in the uh, around the Civil War and the Revolutionary War and so forth, and we had decided for Inside Edition to hold a, a, a seance there. And uh, but what was interesting is that uh, it, it had a very uh, had a very ominous story, which you may have also discussed. But it turns out the uh, the bear the uh, tavern uh, bar maiden at that time was in love with a, uh, a gentleman uh, during. Uh, I believe it was the Revolutionary War. I'm just not even sure what, quite what the details. I have to look it up again. But anyway, and it turns out, unbeknownst to her, he was found to be a, uh, a spy. I guess uh, he was put away, and for some unforeseen reason, the body was brought in a small trunk and left in the tavern, unbeknownst to most anybody except a few people. And she happened to be working one uh, one day soon after, opened it, and saw her her lover and the person she was married and, and of course just went out of her uh, out of her mind and it was a this tragic thing so we held you know seance there many 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 decades a century ago what have you mm-hmm. just a few years ago <laughs> and don't you know uh, some people were in the library and one of the officials there came over to the inside edition camera crew and said we kind of talked to Kreskin and I said what's going on and the librarian said, uh, Mr. Kreskin, uh, a young man, I think, fell as he was only like um, maybe 9, 10, 11 years old. A young man saw a form in the opposite corner of the library. They hadn't closed it down just yet because we had, they were just laying out all the camera work, so there were still people in the library. And she says, I want you to describe this form to this person and hear what this young man had seen was a reasonable fact uh, of the image of the person that had uh, been put away. So, you know, who knows what in the world happened? On the other side of the coin, and I could, I could tell you hundreds of stories around the world, but on the other side, if I can smile now, <laughs> some years ago we had a uh, uh, seance in a place called the, uh, the Eddie House, which is in New Hampshire, and there were some spirit mediums who were not too honest or legitimate at that time, but they were in the turn of the century and in the early 1900s, and they had this house, and uh, uh, I was with a man who was a legendary authority, not only on Houdini, but on uh, paranormal, and also created a character in radio, that was used in radio called The Shadow years ago, and he was a writer. His name was Walter B. Walter B. Gibson, and he was a mm-hmm. remarkable, he's gone now, but I, one of the great cherished uh, friends of my life and uh, endless stories. And he was a newspaper man, but he was an authority on Houdini and knew him well and uh, and also a great authority. And his wife, um, Lipska Raymond, was a palmist from, from Europe, a wonderful uh, person. There's a, there's a whole other story I could tell you. So we're having this <laughs> seance. 
and there's writers there, and you know, this is in New. And I was just, I was just in New Hampshire two weeks weekends ago at a theater, but this was kind of in a more remote area, mm-hmm. and we're sitting in the dark, and suddenly, God, I almost jumped out of my chair, and not too much scares me, but I, this red light started moving around the room, and suddenly, said, my God, what's going on? Here outside the house in the middle of nowhere, a police guard stopped the guy from speeding, and there was the red light that was going on. Oh, around. my God. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes things are not all, all I can tell you, Scott and Doug, sometimes things are not only always ghosts, but it is it, one of the most, I think one of the most dramatic uh, seances I ever held in my life was at a place in Washington, D.C. that's called the Octagon House. And this is very, very old. It's uh, uh, I don't know even if it's a, a, a national site today, but it's, it's got legends around it. Uh, part of the legend is that a uh, some, uh, I don't know if it's extramarital affair, but some scandal took place, and a woman was uh, found at the bottom of the staircase, thrown down the stairs or what have you, and there was mm. some traumatic death. So we, were, we held a seance there, and it was... Uh, by candlelight, and uh, we must have had, oh my God, 40, 40 uh, 48 or, uh, or 52 some people, there were different tables, and we were sitting there, and at the end of the whole thing, suddenly, I don't, I cannot tell you how many people jumped up from their tables, almost knocked over the table, screamed, and saw this woman uh, falling down the stairs, screaming, agonizing uh, pain, and at the bottom, and of course, when the lights were totally brought up, there was no one there, but we had quite a number of people who were extraordinarily shaken, so whether it was a a hallucinatory factor or a a presence that we did not know about, of course, it certainly made it memorable, and you guys can tell that I I favor it, I'm sure like you guys, one of my favorite holidays of the year is still Halloween, guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did you hear what I what happened in New York from, uh, on October 28th with, you, with me around the Halloween period? No, what happened? Well, I held a, uh, you know, I'm always traveling and I'm, I'm performing. And uh, off-Broadway, I, I had a concert which, uh, uh, in fact, it ran my, the, sh- the night this happened, but it ran the show the length of my, I was on stage two hours and 20, 21 minutes, as a matter of fact. So it's a full evening show, and uh, I... Uh, it had been in all a lot of the papers and discussed on TV that I was going to, on that night, cause fear and horror beyond any experience that those participating on stage would have ever ever have had. And, and okay. at the same time, I quickly, I quickly abridged it by saying, "Listen, no one's going to be harmed, but it will be their most memorable, frightening experience." So that's a tall order. Mm-hmm. You, know, guys, you can, see, you can see horror. There's some great horror movies, and I'm a great aficionado of gothic horror stories. You could have had experience in life and what have you. Mm-hmm. So we had uh, it, was, it was the evening of my concert. As a matter of fact, I was very flattered. A lot of people in the media came. Nicholas Cage flew in with his uh, brother's father and uh, some people from Paramount because he'd been a fan. And and but he, he didn't volunteer on stage. Maybe he got a little bit scared of them. So I asked for <laughs> I asked for volunteers. And I was demonstrating the power of suggestion, how, uh, as I've shown all over the world in performances, not only at theaters and universities, but uh, state fairs, what have you, how without 
any kind of trance that's possible to create uh, dramatic responses to the power of suggestion. So we had people on stage, and I said to them, uh, uh, those of you who are, I, I want you to assure me that you're not afraid of being frightened. Now think about that remark. One of the conditions was that they would not be afraid of being frightened. And that quote of mine was used in papers all over New York in the days up to the show. So about a dozen of all the people who were on stage stood up and uh, stood there. And I said, you know, let me sit down at the piano and play. And I... Uh, I, I do play the piano in my program. People who enjoy usually had hearing problems. No, but I love I, I love music, and uh, I played with the um, New York uh, Pops and the New London Philharmonic and what have you. A lot of people don't know about unless they see me in person. So I played a song that was a theme song of a movie that came out in the 1940s. And I'll tell you something, Scott and Doug. Uh, I know a lot of people in the movie industry, and I think. Uh, some of the very best movies for moods are black and white. And this is not because I'm living in the past, but black and whites are shades. You can have shades, you can have shadows, which is very difficult to uh, address in color, as I'm sure a lot of the people listening in who are movie buffs know you can't really photograph nighttime. You have to use uh, filters and everything else. Mm -hmm. So, so the, some, of the finest, some of the finest gothic horror stories have been in the black and white. It should stay that way. Listen, Alfred Hitchcock fought and said, no, Psycho will be Psycho will be in black and white, and that's the way it was. It would have been stupid in color. It would have been a slasher movie, and that's not a horror story. No. So anyway, the movie was uh, The Uninvited, which in the 1940s was a movie with Ray Land, and it dealt with a haunted house at the edge of a cliff in England, and a song was written for the movie uh, that became so haunting to people around the world that even though it was only a theme, they had they had to quickly write words to it, and the song is called Stella by Starlight. So those of you listening in, if you ever hear a singer, whether it's a rock or ballad, what have you seen, Stella by Starlight, it's really a love song to a ghost. Most people don't know it unless they've seen the movie. Mm. So I played this piece on the piano, and of course the audience wonder what the heck is this. Creston flipped out. He's got people standing on stage <laughs> looking at the audience. I'm playing the piano. Uh -huh. And when I finished, I walked over to the group, and one of the men there was a, the producer from, I don't know if you're from the Hannity and Combs, they're on Fox News oh, yeah. or what have you. Mm -hmm. Alan Combs is his producer. And I didn't know he was one of the volunteers on stage. But the next night, they had me on Fox News because the producer was there who proceeded to explain. Because uh, Alan said, well, were you frightened? He said, frightened. He says, I could not move. He said, it was impossible to move any limb of my body. I was so paralyzed. He said, one woman next to me grabbed me so hard. He said, the pain was excruciating. He said, she must have been uh, feared out of her mind. Another gentleman, an elderly man, described looking at the balcony of the theater, which was, of course, dimly lit, but there was a door open, a rear a rear exit door, and he said he counted 18 ghosts walking out of that door in the entire time that I played the He was shaking, but what was incredibly dramatic was two of the women were so terrified they ran 
from the center of the stage to the back to the drapes and wrapped themselves in drapes and we could not get them out for 20 minutes. Oh my God. So each person, what I had done in borrowing from Alfred Hitchcock and a man that I knew pretty well, Orson Welles, mm-hmm. was I used a person's inner mind to find what was most frightening and I brought it out because every one of them said they had never been so terrified in their life. So anytime you want to talk about ghosts, guys, I'm here. <laughs> well, one of the things that Scott L. says a lot is um, because of the mind and because of the power of the mind, uh, it, it, some people who take up ghost hunting or, or this kind of hobby, they, they go, well, I want to see a ghost. I want to see a ghost. And, and Scott says, look, if all you want to do is see a ghost, right? I'll show you one. I can show you a ghost. <laughs> sure. I'll sure. take you out. You, you'll, you'll be so scared. You'll, you'll see ghosts. You'll see everything, sure. you know. But, sure. And we know, yeah. we know as kids walking through the, uh, the forest at night, mm-hmm. you know? And, and the shadows and the, the creepiness and everything, yeah. it just builds up in, in, in your mind. And then, well, yeah, I mean, you it, see everything. That's a good example, Doug. I mean, and that's the idea. I tell people that, um, you know, hey, look, I'll tell you. You want to see a ghost, we'll see a ghost. Um, well, I'll put you in a car. We'll drive to an area. And on the way to the area, and you'll know what I'm talking about here, Kreskin. On the way to the area we're going to investigate, I'm going to go, okay, this is what happened at this house. Um, a man came in there and slashed 14,000 people. <laughs> yeah. He wrote his name in blood yeah. all over the wall. And, and, and now all of a sudden the guy runs around there with a – like supposedly you can see him running around, his ghostly figure, with a, wheeling an axe and chasing people down the hallway. That right there enough for somebody who's never been out there for the first time. Or when who's been out walk, there for the first time. When they're walking in the hallway and it's dimly lit. Yeah, that's a mind melt. That's a mind melt right there for them, right? Yeah. But it show, it, you were absolutely right. It shows because we're all sensitive individuals and uh, we're all receptive to ideas. At the same time, it is always interesting that the most sensitive people uh, on the other side of the coin, whether they've been mediums or, or psychics or what have you, are artistic individuals because... Uh, of the ability to feel ideas and to have feelings while a person who may look at something totally in a cold, you know, uh, you might say, I hate to use the word scientific because that's a play on words because, uh, you know, some uh, certainly paranormal research can be done scientifically, mm-hmm. but you sometimes have to use a, you have to use a different barometer because it doesn't weigh like, you know, two and two being four. Mm-hmm. And a person who doesn't understand that can't necessarily understand the other and that doesn't mean, as you guys, I'm sure, have discussed, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So it has its, it has, there are both sides to it. People, mm-hmm. you know, years ago there was a, a wonderful, oh my gosh, she was a legendary woman. Her name, her name was Dr. Margaret Mead, and she was a very prominent oh, yeah. anthropologist. And she, when I was a kid, guys, and um, uh, any, any issue, I, whether it was a war, an earthquake, uh, uh, a calamity, she would be on the next day to discuss because she was a, Anthropologist, sociologist. She had traveled the world. The last time I saw her, she was uh, she had come to my show in in, in New York State with uh, oh, about sixty, seventy students, and and, the, and there was about three thousand people. But she was in the front row, and and then we sat up at night. We sat up in a, in a hotel room, just she and I, till six in the morning. Then she suddenly said, "Oh my God, Kreskin, I got to leave. I'm checking out NASA, the National Atlantic Space Administration." I said, "My God, I'm leaving in two hours." because I had a show at a university. I forget what part of the country it was. But her mind was searching. She lived with the Pygmies. Uh, she lived in, in Africa, and she was very much interested in the paranormal and uh, in, in shamans, in, in, uh, uh, in uh, what we some would call witch doctors or whatever you want to call them, because she saw an underlying phenomena that she felt was legitimate 
that existed around the world, some of it primitive and, and some of it very, very modern. But she did not want me. She argued with me one night, I'll never forget this. Uh, she didn't want me to call myself a mentalist. She wanted me to call myself a sensitive. And, and Scott and Doug, as you perhaps know, uh, before the um, uh, 20th century in the old countries, uh, people who were highly uh, gifted or intuitive were called sensitive. It was a very common term. Yes. They didn't use the term medium. They didn't use what have you. It was called a sensitive. But as I said to Dr. Mead, Dr. Mead, if I use that term today, if people come to the theater, I could spend a half an hour telling them what the heck that meant before I could go on my show. So, you know, it never, I never took her advice on that. But she was, she was fascinated. She had studied trances in Bali, and, and she, she found my demonstrations of telepathic phenomena so intriguing, and she talked to students about it. And, and incidentally, it was, it was, I, I got this image of her. She comes to my show, and there's, uh, uh, this is in Chautauqua, which is a famous outdoor uh, theater in New York State. And there she's sitting in the front row. Now, she has a staff. The staff is about, oh, I kid you not, uh, six, uh, six feet long, something like that. And, and she's walked around with it. It turns out that when she was in Africa, uh, one of the uh, pygmy tribes gave it to her as a gift. I said, Dr. Mead, I could never get an argument with you. You'd probably level that and make it horizontal with the floor and aim it at me. So let's just talk and be civil about it. But she was fascinating. And you'd have her on. If she were alive, you'd have her on, guys. Oh, well, well, this is Ghostly Talk. Maybe we'll have her on. Yeah, maybe we'll have her on. Right now, we never I know. I gotta say, hey, you know what? I, I, I never, the one, listen, the day, by the way, guys, the day you have Houdini on, let me know because he hasn't answered any damn telephone calls. No, he, he, he's definitely, his voicemail's full. So what you know, can you know do? what? Can I, can I tell you, it's, it's very interesting because having known, uh, Walter Gibson so well and having in my home some, uh, personal memorabilia of Houdini, uh, the image of Houdini is really not what you get when you hear some magicians speak about him because uh, they weren't around when he was around. Well, I wasn't either, but I, thank God I got to know people who knew him very, very intimately. Mm -hmm. He died in 1926, of course, on Halloween. But uh, at the same time, he wasn't really even known as a magician. He didn't want to be known as one for the last two years of his life. He was an, an escape artist and a remarkable escape artist, but he was highly superstitious. His wife, Bess, had to alter the calendars because there were certain days of the month and certain dates that he was very frightened of, so she had to make it look like he wasn't working on those days. He was, he really, he was, a, uh, he was a subject of tremendous contradictions. Uh, everybody says, well, he didn't really, uh, you know, all he spent his uh, last years of his life uh, debunking spirituals and so forth, but when his mother died, he was in Europe, and it, it devastated him that he was not with her. So when he came home for many, many weeks, Bess did not see him during the day. She knew where he was. He was at the cemetery, lying face down on the ground, talking into the earth. Uh, interesting, uh, I mean, it just made me think of his name coming up. People ask me, you know, when you think about it, uh, there's never really been any, uh, he was an escape artist, that's what he's known for. There's never really been... And, a, and a, an escape artist, Al Houdini, what have you. And I think I can give the reason why, which nobody has ever really addressed, never been said this way before. It would be almost impossible if today Scott or Doug, someone came along and said, hey, I, I'm as good as Houdini, I can do what he did. They don't stand a chance of succeeding, I'll tell you why. Simply because if they got on television, 
uh, most television shows are taped, and mm-hmm. practically any show, even even the Tonight Show and or the Letterman Show, and I've done like thirty some of those, and Carson Show, I did eighty eight of them. They were delayed. Now, one of the great, what the, the greatest feature of an escape artist, unlike a, a magician or a, a what have you, but the greatest feature of an escape artist is the, the element of suspense. Will he make it? Will he survive? But the bottom line, Doug and Scott, reason this out. Even a kid, seven, eight years old, unconsciously can sense that if they're watching something on television and this looks dangerous and so forth, if the guy did die or not succeed, it would be on cable television, on, on, on Fox News, ten minutes later, a week before the show ever went on the air. So there is no suspense. It is gone, totally gone, gone, gone. And who didn't even have a tough time. Because that's the element. Will he make it or not? Will he survive or not survive? Now what you're watching when you see an escape artist is really basically a movie because you know he has to escape or would have never waited this long for you to see it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the, the broadcast industry, as exciting as it is, and with our bloggers, oh, I mean, you, you, have, you have that all the time, don't you? Oh, yeah. I've got to tell you, and I, I admire because I get messages and what have you, but I have to also say, guys, that the greatest amount of fiction, there's more fiction on the Internet than there is in the New York Public Library. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree 100%. I Guys, can, I don't know where this time is going. I should let you ask me some questions. Well, you don't know. No, there's a couple things. I, yeah, I, okay. I wanted to say, you said December 19th you're in... Um, uh, yes. Uh, you know, you know um, uh, I'm, I'm, forgive me, I'm here... It is the 19th. I'm traveling uh, 18th, 19th, 20th, uh, 18th, 19th, 20th, yes. The show, though, is the 19th in... Uh, it's a Monday. It is a Monday, it's yes. It's a Monday, yeah. I think it's in the afternoon, as a matter of fact, guys. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I, by the way, I love... Uh, very quickly, are you ever, you ever hear of a town called Marshall, Michigan? I've heard of it, never been there. I have heard of the town. I thought we've been there. Yeah, I don't it's think we've ever been there. It's a very, it's a very, very old town. And a gentleman I knew for years who he was a, uh, he was a newspaper man for the William Hearst people, and he had a museum of uh, mainly mysterious and kind of remarkable show business figures through the years. He's gone now, and unfortunately the museum is locked down. But it's unfortunately not, I don't think it's anything to tamper. But his name was Bob Lund. And uh, years ago, years ago, um, uh, when he was with us, and he's he's been gone now for seven, eight years, but years ago, I uh, held a seance in in his uh, uh, museum, which was a remarkable thing, because he poured his life savings into putting this together. And he had in the museum a, a large milk can, not the kind you would see in old movies on milk wagons, but it was large enough to just about whole human being, and here it had been the, the, the actual milk can that Houdini had used, and that was filled with water, and then Houdini was lowered into it, and it was put shut, and behind a curtain he escaped from. So we're we're looking at this, you know, now, my God, uh, we think about it, you know, uh, it had to be like um, uh, 50 years, uh, 60, uh, 70 years, 70 years later, uh-huh. it had been used there, it's sitting on this platform. And the uh, press is there, and, and, and um, Larry King, uh, his uh, TV crew is there because they wanted to show if anything happened that night. Mm-hmm. We didn't expect anything to happen. We certainly didn't expect any phenomena to take place. 
And some of the people started breathing heavily, which could have obviously been emotional or the, 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 the aura of the experience. And suddenly, the camera crew jumped up and said, oh, my God. Now, when you think of a melt can, a melt can has handles on it, and a small melt can, you just think about the handles. But this was a big melt can, so you can imagine these iron pieces hanging down on each side of the melt can, because to move it, one person would have to be on one side, one on the other, and that it was just too heavy. Nobody moved it. I guess it hadn't been moved for the few years he had it there. Well, mm-hmm. that's not the case. Don't you know, at the completion of the sands, one of the handles started moving back and forth and swinging for the next 10, 12 minutes. And believe me, guys, there was no earthquake. There was no, nothing unsettled in the earth, and I don't think we had any aliens, but that was a, <laughs> that was a night to remember. Well... Wow, all that's these... physical phenomena. Oh, absolutely. That doesn't happen all that often. No, no, it doesn't. And it's unusual because no one, uh, at the end of it, no, first of all, no one ever expected any, any signs from Houdini. That wasn't it. It was almost done in respect to him. But, but, uh, and some of the people were trained authorities on magic, and it was, it was quite, it was quite disarming. I have to, as I, as I think of that, that scene, which I have uh, put away, uh, tape of the, of the Larry King show and see this handle. I mean, and when I say nobody was near it, there was no one. You know, in my life, things like this happen, and I, I wish I could have a ready explanation for it, but I, I don't necessarily. Well, nobody really has explanations for a lot of these yet. things. I mean, not these kinds. Of people things. speculate all day long. Yeah, they do. You start mentioning. You start mentioning. I didn't. Uh, uh, my, you know, I didn't mean to uh, interrupt you, Scott. No, it's okay. Scott, but, you know, okay. I could uh, – I'm one of these people that – everybody says I should have been uh, born and lived in the, in the 18th century. Not that I'm that old, no. <laughs> but I, those were the days that uh, people sat, the great writers and so forth, sat around a fire and so forth. And like, like legendarily in the last century, the Algonquin people who sat around a table in New York, and they were writers and would – just, uh, just uh, express and reflect on, on incidents and experiences. You, you can't necessarily get that on just looking at a television picture. You know what I mean? Well, we don't get that even in the family unit anymore. No, no. That's we, a very interesting remark. I have, uh, I've said that there's one thing that's uh, disappearing in our culture, and that is the well, we're we're losing our ability. We're, we're becoming a socially dysfunctional society, unfortunately, in many ways because uh, people. Often, when they go out to uh, a, a, a restaurant or a club, are in a club or a restaurant where the music is so loud that they mm-hmm. cannot converse. Right. And really, part of life is touching each other. And when I say touching, a lot of times it's in what someone says. And often, and, and it's caused an interesting thing to happen that there are many times people who are uncomfortable with silence. Well, well, uh, Scott and Doug, not every. When we're with someone whom we love, like, find interesting or fascinating, sometimes we say things when we're not even talking. Those moments of silence can often be communications as well. And, you know, they're, 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 they're very cherished moments, so we don't all, always need noise to keep ourselves occupied. Well, I had a boss years ago. Well, I still have him, actually. He's still a boss of mine. But he told me something years ago, um, and it was more of a funny situation, but I was in the kitchen doing something at, at, the, at the place I was working at, and I had the radio cranking. I'm in there doing my work, and I got the radio going, and I'm working, and he walks in and pushes stop on the tape. <laughs> you know, and he's a good guy. I mean, yeah, I'm personally sure. friends with this guy now still, and he, he's, he's, like, he's like a brother to me. But uh, 
I look, I look over and I'm like, hey, man, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, Scott, silence is golden. <laughs> you know, and we, we shouldn't be frightened of it. I, uh, you can't really think that well. Uh, you know, we have other senses aside from hearing. This uh, this year's been a, it's been a rather dramatic year for me. Different different parts of the year have had some incidents or phenomena take place that's caused a lot of attention. And this summer, I talk about another sense, the sense of, uh, of touch. And we ha- we have you know more than five cents. We have a sense of temperature and bounce, what have you. Yeah. And of course, those of us who've been involved in paranormal phenomena would say that there are even more senses. But it was in the summer, and as you guys can recall, this was an extremely hot summer. It's hard to tell that now because it's cold out there. I mean, we've got about 18 degrees here, mm-hmm. and I'm going out uh, about in about uh, four hours in jog. I usually jog at three or four in the morning for about an hour, so I got to bundle myself out, out you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Uh, I, I run there because then nobody stops me, or maybe the police do because they think there's someone just escaping. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, it was very hot during the summer, and I was performing here in the East Coast, and Warner Brothers the Television came to me and said uh, they were asking if I would uh, come on their morning show live, and I said, I've got a diabolical idea. We're having a heat wave. So I came on. The show from off and on, there was a news show, so it was different, uh, I don't know, it was eight or ten, ten times from six in the morning to about, it was either nine or ten o'clock, and by, and I, we were talking about uh, heat and uh, how people handle it, and how psychologically it's, there are, there are ways of handling heat. Mm-hmm. My favorite way of handling the heat is to keep busy. I would rather be working mm-hmm. than sitting and suffering from the heat or what have you, because Same I here. think I just think that you handle it better. But anyway, and and people in in, in tropic areas will, will will agree to that all their lives. But anyway, by by eight o'clock, seven thirty, eight o'clock, a crowd of people uh, had gathered, and it was a square in New York City uh, that was like a park, but there was it was a very busy area. In fact, there were. Uh, I got to see. I got to know a lot of the police there because they had to cordon off some areas. And people were going to work and all kinds of crazy things. So we got about we got eight or ten ten guys and gals together who had no idea what I was going to do, and uh, they were assured that it was just going to be an interesting experience. And uh, and and the viewers were told that they might want to follow this to see how psychologically you can handle the heat. Mm-hmm. Well, the bottom line is that in a we all gathered together, and I explained to all of them, I was going to spell my name twice, and then shout chill out, and it was very dramatic, because when I spelled my name and then spelled chill out, these eight or nine, ten people started shaking like anything, literally freezing. Yeah. And one guy was, they were literally, it was uncontrollable, and then they they panned, they shot back to the, um, uh, to the, uh, uh, main uh, studio, the, the home studio where the, the news was coming out of, and one of the guys there said, you know, we're getting, I'm getting cold here myself, and I wanted to show how powerful my use of the suggestion can be. So as a result of this, NBC News came to me, and um, a few days later, we went into um, a park square area, and it was, this, 
they were doing this at noon. Well, it was 104. It was unbearably hot. I mean, I was gonna make, if I was going to make people cold, I'm going to tell you, I was sweltering. I wish I was a subject and not that. So we gathered some people together again, and I spelled my name twice and uh, said, chill out, and they started freezing. In fact, one one gentleman was so cold, he could hardly speak. He, he was just shaking like anything. Well, this got carried in NBC News uh, throughout the United States, and... Uh, WR Radio, which is a national uh, mutual broadcasting here mm-hmm. in New York, mm-hmm. called me, and Joey Reynolds has a nighttime show, so, and I've been on many times. He, he said, you know, everybody saw this on the NBC News. Would you come on and discuss this? I said, better than that, I want to do something that's never happened in the history of radio. Uh, let's see if I can cause the viewers to respond, the listeners to respond the same way. Mm-hmm. So we announced it, and uh, we announced it at 2 in the morning. I went on at 1 o'clock. At 2 in the morning, it was going to happen. A few minutes after two, it was after the news, and I uh, told everyone to just, I, I, I know a lot of you are in bed, it's a, it's a hot evening, but I just make yourself comfortable, and I, I said, let's see what happens when I spell my name, and twice and say, chill out. Well, we got hundreds and hundreds of calls. One man said, he said, he, uh, he said, Kreskin, they said, Joey, right, he's Joey, I it was like the window had opened. It was the winter time, and snow was blowing in at me. He says, I couldn't stand the car. It was freezing. But that's not the story. When I, this, we got these calls later on. What was interesting, really interesting, Scott and Doug, is here I spell my name twice. I suddenly say, chill out. And Joey Reynolds, who's sitting on the other t- side of the uh, microphone uh, studio table with me, jumps up. I hear this racket. In the control, I turn around, and we, thank God, didn't have, we thought, well, God, did someone have a stroke or whatever? There's pandemonium there. It turns out, as the uh, as the broadcast media magazines said the next day, as soon as I said chill out, the entire network went off the air. Oh, my <laughs> went off gosh. The air. And, you know, it was like, I, it was like, let's say, a half a minute, a minute. But that's catastrophic because all phones were down throughout the country. There was no WR. And I got a kick out of the next day. Some of the headlines of the stories was, don't have Kreskin on any broadcast. <laughs> Kreskin create this calamity. And WOR had the next day to make a public announcement that I did not cause this. But you want to know something? We still wonder. I have to tell you that, Scott and Doug, we still wonder. Well, yeah, I think I would wonder indefinitely on something like that. That is absolutely amazing. All of WOR. Oh, the whole, the whole country. That's insane. <laughs> so, you know, I, every once in a while I'll say to people, hey, listen, don't, don't, don't cause any problems, because I may suddenly start chill out. <laughs> anyway, so this guy slipped out. So I've had, you know, uh, you mentioned something about biography. I have, I have written 13 books, but uh, sooner or later, I, I don't want to write, actually, uh, Scott and Doug, I don't want to write a... Uh, Biography, because that's too terminal. I'm still alive. And, right. uh, unless I did it, unless I did it the way um, P.T. Barnum did, and he wrote, he wrote his biography, and I think this is neat. He added a new chapter every year. He said, "Heck, I'm still alive. Let me just add to this, you know." So, but I think what I'm going to do is put together my memoirs because uh, I'll tell you, Scott and Doug, I have hundreds, maybe a thousand stories to tell through the years, and not only with famous and otherwise, but things that have happened in the Middle East and everything else. I always think of my career as kind of an adventure, you know, and the only thing is that I assure everybody, when I fly home, it's not on a broom, 
It's by normal means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I you wouldn't still think. go through the metal detector. Yeah. I What'd you say? You still go through the metal detectors like everyone else. Oh, I, like, I got a kick out in Canada. The uh, In Canada, um, uh, Scott and Doug, the, the secure, I've known the security people for years because, you know, I mean, I got, you know, Three million flaws I float a lot. Yeah. And they say to me, Chris, why don't you just tell us who to search? Don't, don't stop waste time. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, before I forget, guys, I want to mention that I have a, uh, a DVD available. It's a new DVD, and I have, and I've got to get this to you. In fact, when in the future uh, we get it to you, you, you have to call me on the phone, and it's called The Amazing Creskin Mental Marvels Feasts and Stunts. Now, I don't, and you can get it by, um, uh, go, going on uh, www.amazon.com or, you know, target.com, called yeah. Couture, Porns and Nobles. But i got to explain, I don't want to mislead people. This is not a, D, uh, a DVD, it, it's, uh, it's a good hour and a half. It's not a DVD that's going to have people suddenly walking away saying, well, I can read thoughts and so forth because I would be misrepresenting myself. I had a lot of fun with this, aside from the beginning of it, we're at the fires in New York. I'm reading the thoughts of people in the audience whom I do not know, and that was all done legitimately. Later on, I show stunts. I show stunts of how the old time, the fake mediums, made a table suddenly tilt, how you can do some crazy things, but then I also enclose, and also there's a scene in here, which you gotta do, you gotta get together with friends, those of you listening in to do this. Years ago, PBS came to me, and they'd gone to a lot of uh, people in different areas of uh, of the arts, uh, uh, musicians, songwriters, what have you, and said, can mm-hmm. you come on and give us a piece? We want to use it, uh, run it for the year on how, uh, about your work. Give us the flavor of your work. Well, so they uh, they went to a man who was very important in my early career, Steve Allen. He wrote, he showed how he composes music. They went to some athletes and they showed exercise. So they came to me and I said, hey guys, I got an idea. I use the power of suggestion. In part of my program, let me cause the viewers to swallow. So we tape, we taped this for PBS nationally, and we had to stop tape because the poor the, the cameramen, the three of them, were swallowing all over the place. They said, "You got to stop this, I Kreskin. We're watching you on camera." So anyway, that was a whole thing. Well, I have I did a similar thing on this DVD, and folks listening in, when you watch this with some friends, you try not to swallow. You're in a swallowing. But I also have a pendulum in there. Mm-hmm. You know, as you folks have discussed, pendulums for these. Oh, yeah. And you'll be able to interact with me on the DVD. So if anyone, guys are interested, it's uh, the people listening in, you can get it on. It's called The Amazing Crest and Mental Marvels. And it's either Amazon, Target, Culture, K-U-L-T-U-R, or Barnes & Noble. And you might have, some, you might find it interesting. And that's just something I wanted to mention, guys. Well, something it, that you it mentioned. sounds like a lot of fun. Well, yeah, totally. Too, yeah. That's what it is. You mentioned a second ago, though, Preston, you were like, I, I, I think that my life, you know, my, my career is, uh, you know, a bit of an adventure. I, I, and I, I stopped, you know, when you said that, I'm like, what do you mean you think? You, I, I know your life was an adventure. <laughs> well, an adventure. well, I have, it's, you know, uh, I, I know, I don't live in the past, but I learn from the past. I, I always think in the future, like, uh, a little while ago, I was at SUNY at one of the universities in in uh, New York State, and after it, uh, some of the guys and gals came by, and I, and I, you know, they said to me, you know, Creskin, um, this was a, a, in a gymnasium where we had a few thousand people, but they said, you know, uh, in our newsletter we put out, it had a, we had a bio, and they said, gee, you knew what you wanted to do when you were 
five or six years old, and I, I'm one of the guys who uh, was in a senior. He says, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what I want to do. And I, and I said this to him, and I say this to everybody listening in. I said, wonderful. I said, okay, I, I was blessed. I, I, a few incidents took place, and by five I knew, and by nine I was already immersed in, in my own childlike way and what I was going to be doing. But I said, if you don't know what you want to do and you're getting a pretty good education, what have you, then savor life. Make it an adventure and try things. And that is the end of part one of this interview. Part two will air next week. Until then, this is Marcus Leader, and you have been listening to The Shaman's Brew on Jackalope Radio.